had a great first service. How many love being in the house of the Lord? There's nothing like it, is it? I always say coming to church on Sundays like that vitamin B shot, you know, vitamin B12 shot right in the arm. Makes you feel good, amen. Being in God's presence is so awesome. Well, I just want to make a quick announcement. Faith sisters and girls, teenagers out to college age, we have an event Friday night, and I am super excited about it. We're doing vision boards here right at the church. Yes, we're going to have so much fun. So listen, we've actually provided everything for you, so you get to just show up. We have the poster boards, the scissors, the magazines, the stickers. We also have yummy food and some yummy drinks. And so all we need to do is get a head count. So jump online, fill it out really quick. It's on our Faith Sisters website. And um, if you need childcare, sign up for that. I have a friend that's coming. She works in corporate America. And she's going to be talking on goal setting and setting a dream for your life. So about 30 minutes of that. So we're going to have a good time. Amen. So come on out. We're excited. How many is ready for the word of God? Uh, last week, we were so blessed to have Bishop and Pastor Gloria with us in the house. Woo! And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I highly encourage you to listen to both of them because they were on fire, weren't they? How many love when the bishop shows up? He just shakes things up, doesn't he? Like he can just do this. Like he sets a bomb and it just goes off. And I love it because it just messes with religious spirits. <laughs> and that's good. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? So if the word doesn't cut us a little bit, then we're probably not being challenged. Amen. We want to be challenged. So anyway, I'm excited about what Jesus is doing. I'm excited about what's happening at Faith Builders Church. I just have such an expectancy within my spirit. I believe that the harvest is so ripe and God is bringing in the kingdom. Amen. So let's just get ready. And so with that, um, I've had a couple weeks off to preach. So I've been studying these last few weeks. And God really put a, a message in my heart for the next couple Sundays. And it's on, can you hear me now? Anybody remember that commercial? Can you hear me now? For you youngins, you may not, but, uh, but for us, can you hear me now? So I really want to challenge us as Christians to learn to hear the voice of God. And what I mean by that, it's not just, you know, God, should I take this job? Or, you know, God, should I do this? Or even the good things that we hear from God. But I'm talking about hearing God for the season that we are living in as the, as the church of Jesus Christ. Because we are really living in a different time as the church than we were living in even five years ago. The church was rattled. Uh, how long has it been? A year and a half? It feels like eternity. But when COVID came into America, um, what really has happened is the enemy launched an antichrist spirit in the world. And I don't mean the antichrist because I don't know the time frame. It could be another hundred years. It could be two. Nobody knows the time or the hour except for God. But what did happen and we know is there's an antichrist spirit that was released here in the world. And we live in America, so I'm just going to talk about the American church today. But there is a spirit that hates the things of God. And, you know, if the devil was to come to us and say, you need to deny God, you need to hate God, we'd be like, no way, right? But the devil comes subtly. And he comes with a deceiving voice. And there's the spirit that's in the world today that makes me feel like I'm just good enough and I'm okay. You know, if I listen to a YouTube preacher, you know, during the week, then I'm really good. And we're missing the time to discern what the spirit of the Lord is saying in this season. Because there is a great falling away from the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And you think, well, that would never be me. Well, in Jesus' name, it won't be you. But if we are not listening 
to the voice of the Holy Spirit and discerning the time that we're living in, we will be deceived of feeling just good enough. There's a spirit that has lulled the church to sleep. I'm not talking just about faith builders. You guys are pretty good. But I'm talking about the church as a whole. We're comfortable. We've gotten apathetic in the things of God. We get just enough and that makes us feel okay, but we're not discerning the time that that is a setup and a deception of the enemy to eventually pull us away from the kingdom of God, pull us away from strong spiritual authority that's teaching truth of the word of God so that we cannot receive what God has in this season. And as your pastor, as the pastor of Faith Builders Church, God has put a responsibility in me to preach truth. And sometimes as a pastor, you want to preach the feel-good messages, and I do. I exhort you guys. But I feel like I am to throw up a big warning sign in this season. I mean, I have yellow flashing lights saying, warning, warning, warning. Let's not be comfortable with Jesus right now. Let's not be comfortable with just enough. We have got to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and discern what really is the Spirit and what is the lie. Because I'm going to tell you, in the times to come, the devil can perform signs and wonders. We've seen it in the word of God, right? And the Bible says that I don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are following me. That means I'm not chasing a program or a church or a place where all this is happening. No, they're going to happen behind me. And that's how I know I'm following the spirit of the Lord. Amen. So we've got to know. And so I have this challenge that we've got to be careful that we're not being deceived in this time. That the enemy is not subtly sneaking in and lulling us to sleep where there's no accountability. I've never seen a time, and you know, I haven't lived too long. I mean, I am a little up there. I have seen a little bit. But this is a time after when COVID happened, what happened was people did not have a pastor. There was no accountability. There was no spiritual authority. There was no strong word coming to really sharpen us and to cut us and maybe even offend us a little bit. And so now what's happened is the enemy is creating little pockets here and there, a little pocket there of these home meetings. And I'm not talking about one home meeting. I'm talking about I see this everywhere. That there's little gatherings in homes, there's no accountability, no strong spiritual authority, no pastors happening. And we feel good just with this little home meeting. And God has called us to spiritual authority, structure in the house of God, accountability, those who are called and ordained by God to lead the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And, and our flesh doesn't want accountability, does it? Our flesh doesn't want to be told what to do. I'm 52 and I still don't want to be told what to do. I have this big saying, don't tell me what to do, you know, because we don't want our flesh to be told what to do. So what I want to teach you today is not just about a pastor challenging us in this season, but I want you to hear God. I want the word of God to cut you at home so I don't have to cut you here. Amen? I can just confirm what God already spoke to you because you are listening to the voice of God at home. You're allowing God's word to challenge you. So listen, God wants to talk to you. And many things that I've learned in my walk with Jesus, he, God doesn't ask me to do things necessarily I want to do. He usually asks me to do something I don't want to do. 
He's asking me to do something to crucify this flesh, something that's laying my life down, something that doesn't feel good to the emotions or the flesh, but it's something that's done by the Spirit. And when you become that living sacrifice, when you die to yourself, you are letting the glory of God arise in you. And there's a joy when you lay your life down for Jesus. The world has temporary satisfaction. It's a lot of fun, huh? I've traveled the world in my life, and I've done some really fun and crazy things. But there is no joy than this relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no joy than a relationship with the Word of God, which is what I'm going to talk about today. The Word of God. Amen? So let's look this morning at Proverbs 20, verse 27. And I love this version, the King James Version, and it says this. The spirit of man, say the spirit of man. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So when you have Jesus living in you, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And the word of God says that that spirit is the candle of God or the light of God in you. So what happens when I have the spirit of God living in me, the light of God is in me, what does that light do? It searches all the inward parts of the belly. Now, I want you to see something here, that God is not calling us to a season to look what's out here to change the circumstance, right? I brought a neat little flashlight here, and it's really bright, so I won't throw it at too many of you, but um, the spirit of the man, right, the, the spirit in me illuminates in me what's going on in my heart, now, your heart is your seat of affections. It's your soul. It's your mind, your will, and emotions. It's the part of you that doesn't like the things of God. The Bible says that your mind is an enmity with God. So our flesh and our heart will wrestle with truth. Our flesh and our heart will wrestle with things that God's requiring of us and wanting us to do or, listen, stop doing. Listen, I'm not a sin-conscious preacher, and you know that. But we're coming in a time where we as the church better hear the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about condemnation, but I'm talking about that still small voice where the Holy Spirit says, stop doing that. Stop going there. You're not accountable to me as a preacher because if I tell you that and you try to do it, it becomes the law and you can't fulfill the law. You'll just get under guilt and condemnation, hide and do it anyway. Come on, somebody. But when I have the light of the Spirit in me, illuminating in me what is in my heart, God, what am I hiding from, what am I running away from, what am I offended by, why don't I want to share my faith, Jesus? Why are we as the church of Jesus Christ so afraid to share Jesus outside of these four walls and not on Facebook? I'm talking about at the gas station, at the grocery store, when you're getting your nails done, when you're getting a pedicure. Guys can get pedicures. It's okay. If we are listening to God, if we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he wants to use the church outside of the four walls. The church of this season is not going to be about big names any longer. Listen to me. It's not going to be about mega churches with mega programs anymore. The Holy Spirit is saying, do you hear my voice? Do you hear the bid of my spirit? Do you hear me saying, stop this, go there, do this? Are we listening to God? Are we listening to our soul that feels good, that makes us feel like we're important and we're somebody? Because in this season, God wants to strip our flesh down so that the spirit of God can reign in this hour. 
I know when I was, and I tell you, I, and I'm, I'm vulnerable with you guys, I'm practicing what I preach. Because I, when I come off this platform, I have the same earth suit you all do. We're busy about our days. I want to come and go. I'm not really paying attention to what God's asking of me. But I'm, I'm retraining myself to be accountable to when the Holy Spirit is leading me. And he's still teaching me. And I am praying for people out in the public. And this last weekend, or last night, I went to get my nails done. And uh, I was sitting in the pedicure chair and in walked this beautiful woman. And she had a shaved head and, and she had um, patches on and tubes coming out and into this bag. And my heart was like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for her. And that's as far as it went. I didn't think anything else. And then I saw her again. I'm like, oh, man, my heart's really compassionate. I could tell her daughter was being so courageous. And, but my heart was just bending towards this woman. But I still wasn't feeling that pull of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting there, and the next thing I know, it's just the three of us sitting there. We're closing the shop up, and it's just the three of us. And the Holy Spirit had to use this woman to speak to me to open up the opportunity. And praise God, and I'll tell you the story, but I went home and went, why did I miss that opportunity? Why didn't I have bold, courageous faith? This woman is going through hell, and I've got at least hope. I've at least got joy. I at least have God to give her something, and I'm just stuck in my own little world, not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But thank God, she struck up a conversation with me, and I began to tell her how I'm a pastor, and I've taken mission trips. Of everything I could say, that's the one thing I said, mission trips. Come to find out, her daughter has done a missions trip. Her husband did a mission trip, her son. And that was our connection. And she, I asked her, so well, can I ask you what's wrong? And she's got a brain cancer, and it's terminal. There's no cure. And I'm like, yes, Jesus is the cure. I know what man says. And listen, my soul, my earth suit said, well, what if she doesn't get healed? What, I'm, I'm in a shop of Buddha believers, and, and what if I offend them for praying in the middle of their shop? And that's my earth suit, right? But I said, no, I have an answer for her. I have the answer. And it's not my responsibility to what manifests, but it's my responsibility to hear the Holy Spirit. So that I can reach her. And I said, well, I've got to tell you a story. I met a lady uh, uh, probably a year prior. You guys have seen her. She's been in this church. And I, I gave my information to her, told her I was a Christian. And she ended up calling me. Her name is Lisa. And uh, she called me about four months ago and said she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She had a tumor the size of a golf ball. I didn't know where her faith was, but I went to her house and I said, you know, do you want a miracle? And she's like, yeah, I want a miracle. I said, well, that's all I needed to know. Laid hands on her. We laid hands on that lump, cursed it in the name of Jesus. She went back to the doctor two days later. That lump is completely gone. Thank you, Jesus. That's a miracle. So now I have this story. I killed the lion. So we're about to kill the bear, amen? Or we're going to kill Goliath. When you start doing things for Jesus, you have courageous faith now to pray for someone else again. And I told her that story. I said, well, I'm going to tell you something, sweetheart. I believe that God can heal. And I told her the story of Lisa, and I said, can I pray for you? She said, oh, I would love your prayers. And I said, no, I mean right now. Can I pray for you right now? She just began to weep. And her daughter who walked over, which I think is struggling because, you know, her mom's going through this, you know, her thing with God. And, and I sat right in that chair with her, and I grabbed her precious little hand. We didn't shout. 
We didn't scream. I didn't pray in tongues. But I decreed that cancer to dry up at the root in the name of Jesus. I decreed that healing balm of Gilead to touch her body. And I spoke the scripture, you will live and not die, and declare the wondrous works of the Lord. And she began to weep, and she looked at me. Because remember, people have been unchurched for over a year and a half. So I could tell her spirit was so dried up and craving hope. And she looked at me. She said, God gave me that verse a long time ago, and I forgot about it. I said, well, it's the anchor of your soul today. And you're going to hang on to that thing. And we exchanged numbers. But listen, that's what I'm talking about. We're so consumed with our own world. We're so consumed. Well, I feel just good enough. I did that for Jesus. Woo. And God's like, you haven't begun to do what I want you to do. The church of Jesus Christ is going to rise in this hour with signs, wonders, and miracles. And listen, it's not just going to happen in the four walls. It's going to happen when you are the church. When you are laying hands for people, when you're sharing your faith. So why did I say all that? God, search me. What is stopping me from being bold in my faith? Is it fear? Is it rejection? Is it failure? What, what is it, God? And what we're doing is whatever we're facing in our life, we're doing this. God, fix them. What's going on in your heart, honey? Because you need to fix that so we can be better. What's going on with my boss? I don't want to aim it at you guys. What's going on with my boss? This stinks, that stinks. And what can we fix this? We can fix that. And God's like, no, I'm illuminating you. I'm asking you in this season. This isn't about anybody else. This is about me and you. God's got your face like this, like a little kid. I want to get in your heart. I want to get in your junk. I want to get in your disappointments. I want to get that out of you so you can be who I've called you to be. And you can do what I've called you to do. Searching on the inside, amen? Where was I? The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, and it searches all the inward parts of me. We need to say, God, search me. So in Psalms 139, it says this. Search, search, what's it say? Search me, God. Psalm 139. Search me, God. It doesn't say search something else. Search me, O oh God. That word search means to examine. I tell you, the scariest prayer you can ever pray is say, search me, oh God. Why? Because God's going to get in there and he's going to expose the hidden things that keep you in this merry-go-round. He's going to expose these things that keep causing self-destruction. He's going to expose these things of bad behavior and bad patterns in your life. When you're allowing him to search you. And forget about everybody else. When you begin to change you, God will change everything else. Amen. God didn't say examine somebody next to you. No, examine you. And allow your heart to change. Allow forgiveness to come in your heart or whatever it is. If you need renewing or whatever it is. Search me, oh God, and know. Do we have that verse, honey? Psalms 139. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. What is the heart? It's my soul. It's the secret places that I'm hiding. It's like putting dust under a carpet all the time. I'm hiding that disappointment. I'm hiding that shame. I'm hiding that failure. I'm hiding that betrayal. And God's saying, no, let me get in there. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He'll stand back until you say, search me. We need to, when we leave this place today, say, Holy Spirit, search me. Know my heart. Let's fast forward to Jeremiah 17, 9 really quick. And we're going to go back to this verse in a minute. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
who can know it? See, we don't even know our own hearts. We don't know why we're struggling. We don't know why we're angry all the time and want to quit and give up. We don't know why we're not hungry for God and on fire anymore. I don't know because my soul deceives me. My mind is an enmity of God, but the spirit in me knows all truth. And it's searching. It's searching those things that are holding me back. And I need God to search my heart because who can know it? Go on to the next verse 10. I, the Lord, search the hearts. I test the minds. See, it's God who knows your heart. It's God who knows the personal struggles that you are facing. And when you allow God to search your heart and change you, the Bible says, even to give every man according to his ways. So when you get that garbage out and you allow God to fully come in, God will give you the desires of your heart. But it's not going to come without you fixing you first. Forget about fixing everything else. We need to get on fire for God again. We need to get hungry for the things of God again. My dad brought his first point in his message last Sunday was, are you hungry? Boy, that hit home. He said, or are you filling yourself with things that satisfy you that cause you to not be hungry anymore? Are we so satisfied with the world? Are we so satisfied with just enough? Are we so satisfied with that worship song or that message that we're not really hungry for truth? That we're not really hungry to hear what the Spirit has to say about me. Amen? Search my heart, oh God. It goes on to say what? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God wants you to bear fruit, but it's going to come through saying, God, search my heart. Fix me. Cause me to be hungry again for the things of the Spirit. I want to look at Psalms 119 this morning, 105. Oh, no. Go back to Psalms 139. I jumped way ahead. Psalms 139 says, search me, O God. And know my heart and test my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. That word see translates to look at, to find out. See if there is any offensive way in me. Are we offended? Are we disappointed? Have I lost my hope again? We need to know, God, is there something in me that I really need to get a hold of so I'm not here five years from now, so I don't miss doing the greatest works for the kingdom of God, so I'm not deceived by lying, deceiving spirits in the end times that is about to come. We have to say, God, search me that, search me that I want truth. I want reproof. I want instruction. I want correction. We have to hunger for God to challenge us with his word. And get away from this mentality that I just want to feel good, make me feel good, put me up in the arm. I'm successful. I'm a champion. I'm a victorious. I'm the head and not the tail above and not beneath. And God's like, yeah, but there's a lot of junk in you I'm asking you to get out now. And I've let you get away with it for a while, but God's saying no more. I need the church to look like the church, my bride. I need the church to be the bride, to have courageous faith. I'm not talking about walking in the works or guilt and condemnation, but I am talking about the things that he's convicting us of. Something happened this week, and, uh, and you all know I love Jesus, and 
My life has been set apart. And I woke up one day and God just convicted me of something in my life. It wasn't a huge deal, but I felt the voice say, "Uh uh-uh. And I was like, that was so awesome. Thank you, Jesus, that I felt your conviction. Thank you that I felt your presence. There was something so safe about that. There was something so empowering about that. God isn't come to say, I'm going to expose that in you so you can feel ugly. No, he's saying, I love you enough. I have something ahead of you that you don't know about yet. And I'm requiring this season you to be set apart. I'm requiring this season for you to know my word. I'm requiring this season where you get people out of your life. There are times where God will come with a strict hand and say enough is enough and I really feel in my spirit that God is doing that to his bride and his church around the world enough is enough we cannot look like the world act like the world be the world and think we can walk in the power and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit this isn't about me this is about our walk with Jesus and I know if the Holy Spirit's aligning some things in my life and requiring a little bit more of me guess what He's doing it to you too because he'll start from the head and he'll work his way down. And instead of getting all bound up about it, rejoice about it. Say, God, I'm going to lay this thing down. I'm going to count the cost. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. Why? Because I'm going to pass it down to my children and my children's children. I'm going to win my neighbor to Jesus that is going to hell. I'm going to pray for someone who's bound on drugs on on the street and see them get delivered in the name of Jesus. I just prayed for a young boy. Me and the girls were out right. We rent these motor scooter things. And this young boy walked up with no, no socks, no shoes, holes in his socks, starving, and no bigger than nothing. And I looked over him, and it reminded me of Chad. And I said, and he's just a young boy. He was like 18. He aged out of the system. Made me think of you guys. He aged out of the system. No hope. And I'm sure has trouble. But we led that young boy to Jesus. And I told him the story of Chad. That God can set you free and God can heal you. That's what God wants us to be doing as the church. He's not looking for us to be perfect, but he's looking for us to give away what we have. We have the best kept secret in the world and the the world is lost and going, dying and going to hell and hopeless. Committing suicide. Little kids committing suicide with no hope. And the church sits in our little pristine worship services and our cute little buildings and programs while the world is being killed by the Antichrist spirit. It's time for us to be the church, amen? Amen. See if there's any offensive way in me in Psalms. Lord, is there anything in there that you want to get rid of? And lead me, can you put that up there, Psalms 139, and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, Lord, is there anything in there? Check it out, look it up. What did the word mean? It means to look at, to find out. If there's any offensive way in me, if there is and he sets you free, what's he going to do? Lead you in the way everlasting. That word everlasting means this. It means forevermore. It means a long duration. So when you get set free by allowing the word to challenge you, allow the voice of the spirit to search your heart, you get set free by the word of God. Amen. It delivers you. And then you walk out that freedom for the rest of your life. 
You do not have to be bound by addiction for the rest of your life when you're allowing the word to challenge you and change you. You don't have to get over to pornography and let it destroy you when you have the word challenging you. You don't have to commit adultery on your spouses when you have the word convicting you. Am I just trying to throw out some sins? No, but I'm trying to tell you the things that are destroying the church of Jesus Christ. Instead of walking in the nature of Jesus Christ and according to the word of God, the devil makes us feel like we're really good. I feel good. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. And yet the church is walking with no power, no authority, and no demonstrations. Amen. It's time for us to get excited. I want to walk in freedom today. And you may stumble and fall, and that's why we have Celebrate Recovery. We had to go rescue Chad a couple times for God to bring him back. It's okay. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying picking yourself up and saying, God, search my heart. I'm going to quit blaming the church. I'm going to quit blaming pastors. I'm going to quit blaming people. I'm going to look at me and let the word of God change me. Amen? There's no greater thing. Why? Because when I let God do it, then he changes my life forever. Psalms 119, 105 says this. Your word is a lamp unto whose? My feet. So not only does God's word illuminate in here, now when I'm letting his word come in here, he illuminates my feet. I'm not looking at where are they going, what are they doing, how are they getting away with that, how are they blessed. No, God's word is leading my feet, my family. I'm the prophet and priest of my home, men of God, right? Women, you are beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> I don't know what to say about y'all. You're all amazing. But I'm looking at my feet. I'm not comparing myself with other people. I'm not trying to get away with just enough because I can get away with it. No, your word is a lamp. It illuminates my feet, and it's a light to my path. I don't know where I'm going. God does. I don't know what the next step is, but God does. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God does. I trust him. I'm being led by him. I'm letting him speak to me. I'm letting him correct me. I'm letting him direct me. I'm confessing things to the Lord. I'm repenting of some things, and he's lighting up the very next. God never does this. He never does this. There's the whole story. He does this. One step. I'm going to trust you. I'll be faithful. I'm going to keep coming to church. I don't feel like it. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep tithing, man. I don't want to give my money. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't want to serve today. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep honoring you. I'm going to honor my husband. I'm going to keep being faithful. And the next thing you know, you'll be right where God wants you to be because you let the word light up your feet and quit worrying about everybody else's feet. There was a time in my walk with God, two times he's done it. One was with worldly friends. There was a separation. And then one was a time with Christian friends, and there was a separation. Not Christian friends aren't bad, but God was saying, Barb, I need you alone for a minute. I need your attention. I need to speak to you some things. And it was preparation for ministry. I didn't know that. I definitely needed to hear God on that. So we have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. In Psalms 119, I just challenge you. We just read two little lines of that chapter but if you want to devour something to learn how to walk with Jesus, take Psalms 119. And I challenge you this week and take your notebook and Bible out. You're going to find things that are going to cut you. But it's going to teach you how to walk with God. I wouldn't be where I'm at as a woman of God today if I didn't let the word cut me. And I'm not far from perfect. But you won't do what God's called you to do unless you let the word cut you. See, if I continue to cut you, you're offended. But when you let the word cut yourself, see, I said this in first service, the word is a lamp unto our feet, 
The word is the final authority. So I don't want somebody telling me what I should or shouldn't be doing. That breeds rebellion. But Holy Spirit, show me. Show me where you want me, God. Show me what you're speaking to me. Let the word of God challenge you. I've never had a preacher tell me, stop doing that and stop doing this. I let the word of God tell me. And then when a preacher said it, I'm like, yep, that's right, because I had to do that. The word should confirm. This is intimacy. Listen, church, God is looking for this. This is wonderful. This is his bride, and it's beautiful, and it's a gathering. You're getting the word from God. But I need this on Monday. The word intimacy is into me, you see. This is intimacy. I'm getting God by myself from the word of God, just him and I. This is not intimate. This is corporate, and it's wonderful, but God doesn't want a group date all the time, does he? He's calling the church to this right here, the good old-fashioned sit down with a Bible and a notebook and a pen if you never had your cell phone and they shut all technology down, would, how would you find God? Right? How would I hear from God? Right here. I don't need a YouTube video anymore. I don't need somebody else telling me their opinion. Now, you have a pastor and you're submitted and you receive the word of God. You hear my spirit. I listen to teachings every day, but I also have this every day. Well, not every day, but you know what I'm saying. Let's be realistic. But I have this. We have the word, the intimacy that's challenging me. It's the mere reflection of what I'm going through. In Psalms 119, you'll find just in those scriptures, the word of God will reprove you. It instructs you. The word of God guides. It corrects. It instructs. It leads. It confirms things in your life. This is the living, breathing word of God. Don't let anything deceive you from what's written in this word. Amen? This is power. I said in first service that I'm not serving God today because my parents were perfect people. We're Italians. And I found out British, too, so we were crazy. Things weren't always perfect. But you know what? When I woke up in the morning, I saw my mom and dad like this with a cup of coffee. I saw the walk with God. It's not how perfect you are or what you can spout. It's the word of God that changes you and changes your children's lives. That's all that they need to see is that Jesus is the center of everything. You'll never be perfect, but the word of God will always be the strength in your home. Amen? And it's never too late. Say, never too late. So the word challenges us. So let's look at Psalms 119. I have a couple more minutes. Psalms 119, verses 104, and it's the same chapter we were just in, but it says this. I have restrained my feet from every evil way. See, when you're letting the word speak to you, it refrains your feet from doing wrong things, making wrong decisions, getting in the emotion when you're letting the word challenge your life. 102 says, I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. Look what happens next, though, which I think is so beautiful. It says, you have taught me, God. When God teaches you, you say, you can go back, sweetheart. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter to honey, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Do you see the difference there? Where somebody's trying to put judgment on you and make you be convicted and make you live a certain way. But when you receive from God yourself, 
And God says, let's get that out of your life. Let's deal with that anger. Let's deal with that disappointment. Let's deal with that favor or deal with that sin or that compromise. When you find that truth, it becomes a sweetness to your soul. Why? Because you know in that moment God can set you free. Amen? We need to allow the correction of God's word in our life. It says in verse 104, through your precepts I get understanding and I hate every false way. God says, I build you line upon line, precept upon precept. And that's beautiful. God doesn't just go in and dig you out and blow it up and give you all truth. He'll do a little at a time. The Bible says, here a little, there a little. I've been walking for God all these years, and he's still building me line upon line. He's still challenging me. He's still correcting me. That's why I said, even in this walk in this season, and, and I've done street ministry, and I've done all that. But guess what? I got comfortable too. So I'm like, Lord, challenge me. I want to be on the streets doing what you called us to do. I want to be available in this moment. But if we're not letting the word fill us up, we'll be led by our emotions every time. And we'll be led by our flesh. And the church will stay quiet in cute little corners feeling good about ourselves and never changing the world. Amen. It's time for us to change the world. All right, let me fast forward really quick over to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. And I want to share this one with you. First and second Timothy is about learning how to walk in your faith in Jesus. If you don't know where to start, go in first and second Timothy. He will challenge you because he's teaching young Timothy how to walk with God. But I want to read this to you because I believe this is spirit of the time that we're living in. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Those perilous are painful, they're fierce. They're savage, they're difficult, they're dangerous. It's a lot going on. Verse 2 says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Do you recognize that Antichrist spirit? So much strife and division. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Can you see that spirit today in the world? It's alive and well. But look at verse 5. They're having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. As for such, people turn away. What is this a picture of? It's a picture of the church. This is what the behavior that the enemy wants to throw the church into. But listen, they, they have the form of godliness, right? They can speak the vocabulary of Christianity, but they have no power of God. We have to be careful that I, I'm not just speaking the word. I'm not just putting a good word on Facebook. Do I have the word living in me? Do I have it with power or have I been lulled to sleep by a religious spirit that makes me feel like I know just enough but my behavior and my character is living just like the world? God wants to change our character and God wants to change our behavior. There's a season now in the kingdom of God where God is causing the church to rise up in righteousness. Amen? We can't just say we love Jesus if we're not demonstrating Jesus. 
We can't come in here and just have a great worship service, which I love, and I love our altar ministry, but that is not enough. The world needs to see the power and demonstration of God, and the church needs to look like the church of Jesus Christ. We need to come into maturity of the Holy Spirit. Hosea, I'll close with this verse, says this. Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. How many know that verse? Just raise your hand. Yeah, if you've been serving Jesus, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So what do we do? I need more knowledge. I got to go to the deep things of God. I got to get in Bible college. Nothing wrong with it, but hear my spirit. I got to get more. I got to get more. And I looked up that word for the first time this week. And you know what that word knowledge means there? My people are destroyed for their lack of unawareness. You're unaware. We're unaware of the time that we're really living in as the church. We've been so comforted and fall asleep that I'm not aware in hearing the Holy Spirit in this season. That word knowledge means discernment or perception. We are destroyed because we aren't discerning the evil workings of the world today. And it's, pa it's packaged in a beautiful religious spirit. It's dangerous, isn't it? We as the church need to rise up in power, not just in our words, but in demonstration. And when we as the church arise, listen, when we arise with the word, I'm going to challenge our church. Let's get in the word of God. You have to find time to get in the word of God. This is your anchor to your soul. God wants to give you a word just for you, not my word, your word. He needs to speak to us some things. We've got to go back to the intimacy times where we're just writing in that good old-fashioned notebook, talking to Jesus. We need to fall in love with the Lord again, don't we? We do. We need a hunger and a zeal, not only for the house of the Lord, but for the Lord. How many feel challenged today? Good, because I do too. This is for all of us, amen? Let's get hungry. Let the, let the Spirit of God light you up. Say, Lord, is there anything in me that needs to go in this season? I'm going to let it go. Amen? I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to align myself to the Word of God. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you are doing for such a time as this. And, Lord, I know that every person in this room was called to this house for such a time as this, God. That, Lord, you, you are calling us by your Spirit. You are drawing us, Holy Spirit, to intimacy, to the Word. Challenge us, God. I pray, Lord, that you continue to convict us and draw us near to you, Father God. Lord, let us be hunger for your spirit and for truth. Let us not be easily offended by the truth when it comes, God. But let us crave the good things, the sweetness of your word. Maybe you're here today and, you know, all of us can probably truly repent of apathy. Can re re repent of, of just feeling good enough and being lulled to sleep. And then there's some of us who need to... Lay that sin down to Jesus. And I'm not talking just confess it today, but I'm talking going at it by the Spirit of the Lord. Say, I'm done doing that thing. I'm done having that destroy my life, and I'm going to lay that thing down on the altar once and for all. Whatever it is today, and maybe you need to come to Jesus for the first time. I don't know where you're at, but God does. I remember when I was 17 years old, I was sitting in a church in a pew the pastor called everybody forward just to spend time with God or you could turn or kneel. And I'll never forget at 17, I knelt at that blue pew and I said yes to Jesus. And I didn't say yes to heaven. I said yes to Jesus. 
and I weighed that cost. I knew there was a cost of that walk. I said, I will give up my friends. I will commit to church. I'll commit to godly counsel at 17. And it took me a while sitting there weighing that cost. And finally I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I give my life to you. And God worked it all the rest out for me. But serving Jesus is, is a cost, isn't it? It's a cost. Yes, Jesus paid the price for eternity. But we have to be willing to lay down whatever he's asking us to lay down. And I would not be a good pastor if I didn't ask that. Amen. I would not be a good leader if I didn't give this message to you and have the same requirement of the word in your life that the Holy Spirit's given me. Because I will pay for that. Ezekiel says it. So all I ask is that you hear God in this season and that you hear the Holy Spirit. I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Forgive me of apathy. Forgive me for being comfortable. Renew a fire on the inside of me. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you all so much. I appreciate you. You're such a great church. You love the word of God because you've received a very instructional, correctional word. And I'm just so honored to be your pastor. Love you so much. And I want to welcome Pastor Paul back.